Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This edition of Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts today on the Patriots Report. You, me, Matt Sims talking quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Malik Cunningham, and the rest of the field right here, right now, only on the Patriots Report. Matt, let's start with this. I'm curious to get your take on what Mac Jones did Sunday against the Bills that allowed him to have success that maybe he wasn't doing earlier in the season, particularly in those two ugly losses to the Cowboys and the Saints. Yeah, what I saw from Mac Jones was just a player that seemed uh, very confident in what they were trying to do offensively in their scheme. It seemed like he was within the rhythm and the way that he was looking at the field, going through his progressions. He just seemed to be on the same page for what seemed like maybe the first time all season. Very comfortable in the pocket, confident with his throws. There wasn't any indecision, it looked like. And and the one thing that I, I really noticed, too, and you see it on the stat sheet, which kind of makes me think that way, too. You know, everyone that was targeted, uh, had receptions that matched those targets. There was very few where it was targeted 10 times but only had three catches, mm-hmm. you know? So everyone along that stat sheet, the targets and their catches matched each other uh, very significantly. And I also love the fact that he took a lot of checkdowns in the game and fed Ramon J. Stevens in the football too on plays where it looked like maybe there wasn't something down the field. It felt like some of the things that he did where he was able to find success were callbacks really to his rookie year, where it was simple stuff, where it was checkdowns, as you mentioned, taking what the defense offered and not taking a whole lot of shots downfield. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is what we expect to see from Mac Jones and, and what we expected to see from this New England Patriots offense as a whole. You know, the the truth of the matter is, it's something that I'm sure you have discussed on this show many times. They're just not super talented on the offensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. You know, the the game-breaking speed is not there like it is on a lot of other dominant football teams that we see across the NFL. So it has to be that just meticulous uh, approach to moving the football down play-by-play, good decision after good decision. And, and he really did a phenomenal job of that. was only sacked one time, but I thought really did a good job of moving in the pocket and getting the football out of his hands. So it's something that at least now Mac can build off of with that confidence. And I'm sure Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick as the best as he can was complimenting on him finally doing his job the way they expect him to. 
It's interesting you bring, you bring up Bill O'Brien because some people around here believe that Sunday represented really the final step in the quote-unquote acclimation process between Mac and Bill O'Brien. Where do you stand on that? And how tough can it be for a guy like Mac, a young quarterback, to go through three offensive coordinators in three years? Oh, it's very difficult. Uh, it would be the same as uh, you know someone being in high school and having to move to a different state and a different school every year. You know, in high school of, of being yeah, freshman year you're here, now the sophomore year you're there. So it's it's a huge difference as far as the way that you're you're speaking that language to each other, and that's really what it is. Football, you know, is is a language in itself. And to be on that same page with another individual and then with 10 other individuals on the football field, it does take time. It does take just constant repetition and communication between all parties. And unfortunately, in the football world, that typically means a lot of failures, too, for people during that time period. And uh, and we've seen some of those shortcomings on the football field. We absolutely have. But, you know, for Mac, we at least saw some glimpses this weekend that. Maybe, you know, that sunrise is coming that we can now start to enjoy a little bit more growth at the position and the offense just finally kind of hitting its stride. We all know that the quarterback takes too much of the credit and too much of the blame. You know, that <laughs> yeah, just no kind of goes along with the nature of the job. I like to say that's life in the big city. Yeah. But, you know, while he performed well, it felt like there were other guys around him who had really successful afternoons as well. Speak to the idea, if you could, about the offensive line and the, the ability of the offensive line to make a bad quarterback good and a good quarterback great. It seemed like <laughs> Sunday they had their best performance as a group. And I don't think it was completely coincidental that Mac also had his best afternoon of the year. Oh, it definitely isn't. And, and let's just call a spade a spade. Mac isn't the lightest, you know, fleet of foot type of player out there. You know, this isn't a guy that we're asking him to be athletic and to get outside the pocket and to make dynamic plays like some other quarterbacks in the league. So protection for him is at the utmost importance. And it was really just important for, well, one, let's just kind of take a look at it this from, from this perspective. The Buffalo Bills defense really just, I think, is 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 underwhelming now. The the talent on the defensive front is not there. The injuries on the defense in general, Traverius White and Matt Milano, of course, the two main key pieces being out, really, I think, are now kind of showing itself in this football team and how they will struggle going forward because they just don't have the same amount of depth as some other people uh, within their own division. Now, going back to what you said, Mac and them, they don't care. They matched up well against the Buffalo Bills. They were able to protect them very well. And they did a good job of, although not making a, a tremendous stat line in the run game, they were at least patient and continued to try to run the football, which allowed Mac to still take advantage of some of those play action passes. They continued to hit that four yards per carry average, which I think is at yeah. least, you know, Bill references that a lot. I mean, that's the baseline if you want to be a successful running team in this league. I, I want to ask one more question specific to Mac. In right. your eyes, is he capable mentally, physically of building on Sunday's performance and stacking success in the weeks and months to come? Or is what we saw Sunday, is that kind of going to be an outlier and we're going to see him revert back to, you know, Mac of two, three weeks ago? No, I think he is absolutely capable of playing well at the position. You know, I still have doubts as you know, his ability to throw the football with power and accuracy at some times in the, in the game, which to me, I think is just, 
you know, if you want to be a great quarterback or a really dynamic offense, you have to be able to throw the ball into tight windows and throw it aggressively. So that's one factor that I think Mac is still lacking in just a little bit with just the ability to throw the ball down the field powerfully. But he is more than capable to do the things that he's being asked to within this offense and what they're trying to accomplish. It was just great complimentary football, you know, as boring as that sound, as cliche as that is. That really is a New England way. It's a Belichickian way. Mm-hmm. And uh, they want to win, you know, games that are like this, that are kind of tight and control the tempo of the game, make it frustrating for the opposing team's quarterback to move the ball and be explosive, and then to really just kind of wear the other football team out. And it was really just, I think, a great cap to the uh, the game-winning drive by Mack and hitting Gasicki in the end zone for the touchdown. So there's a lot of pauses to look at this. It'll be difficult to repeat it versus more talented football teams the rest of the year, but I I do believe that he is capable of it. That's the other thing, too, that I think a lot of people around here are starting to bring up is the fact that they really ran the gauntlet at the start of the year. They really had a rough schedule. The first four, five, six games, it was rough. It gets a little bit easier. You know, you you don't want to take anyone for granted any given Sunday and all that, but at least on paper, the schedule, once you get past Miami this week, certainly gets easier for this team. Yes, it definitely does. And that's that's a big part of it. You know, that's where some of the games that were kind of close early on, even the Eagles game, I thought the the Patriots played extremely well, but lost that game at home. And, and that's why we're kind of sitting here. We're like, ah, you know, they just don't have it. So there's there's so many closely uh, contested games that we'll look back on for pretty much every football team this season, you know, including the, the Minnesota Vikings, who had a great performance last night against the San Francisco 49ers, they're going to look back at some of their games earlier this season and be like, damn, well, if we could beat the 49ers, we should have won a lot of those other games too. So that's just life in the NFL. It's not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. And, uh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And right now I would say Buffalo is trending in the wrong direction. The Jets are trending in the right direction. Miami is always going to be dangerous. So where does New England fit in that mold, you know, with the rest of the conference and the division? Let's say if the Patriots wanted to go in another direction at quarterback for whatever yeah. reason, after this season, they've they've arrived at the the decision that Mac is not their guy. Is there another guy out there in your eyes, either in free agency or the draft, who you might see as a good fit in Foxborough? Ooh, that's a that's a great question. Free agency wise, uh, my my father and I on, on our our own podcast Sims Complete, we were just discussing some of the backups in the league. And, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor's name constantly comes up. You know, I think Tyrod Taylor is a very underrated quarterback. I think he's super talented. He makes a lot of great plays and he makes the easy plays look easy. And he's still capable of making dynamic plays, too, that, you know, call upon his athleticism, his great arm talent. So I don't know, maybe, you know, Tyrod would be someone to to look into for next year. As far as like the draft goes, um, you know, that being said, I don't know what Tyrod's contract is right now. Yeah, and it's, and I, I understand you. It's, it's tough to, to <laughs> yeah. gauge free As we sit here now in late October, it's tough to gauge free agency who's going to be available, who won't be down the road. But I, I'm just literally throwing a name out there, throwing yeah. two or three names out there thinking, okay, well, if they move on from Mac, Bill might give a call to this guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tyrod would absolutely be up there because I feel like Tyrod knows how to play the style which Bill, both Bills are trying to play offensively and as a team. Uh, a, a young quarterback that I would say in the draft, even though I don't think that they would go with the quarterback in the draft this year, just because the team has so many other needs that they need to fill. Um, you know, Bo Nix is someone that really interests me a lot. I think Bo Nix is a, a quarterback that 
has a lot of experience. I mean, the guy has played over, you know, 3000 snaps in college football, and he's, he's been through the good, the bad and the ugly, and has still come out on the other side of it. Like Andy Dufresne, you know, not <laughs> smelling like crap. So, um, he's a guy that I think is talented. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. You make all the throws that you expect an NFL quarterback to make. And, uh, and I think he really understands how to play the position very well. Out of those, out of those guys, out of, out of all of those guys who may or may not be draft eligible, uh, Caleb Williams, Knicks, Michael Penix, Rick May, the whole list of them. If you have the number one pick in the draft, who are you going with? What team am I coaching? <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 let's say Chicago, right now with Chicago. Um, but the other question is too, and you, and you bring up Bo Nix, if, yeah. if the Patriots are say sitting there at seven or eight, you know, they might feasibly have a shot at one of these guys. Yeah, they, they definitely will. Uh, Chicago. I mean, if I was, if I was the general manager of Chicago, yeah, Bo Nix would definitely interest me a lot. Um, Michael Penix would interest me a lot, you know, because one, these guys, I think playing in that, you know, Pacific Northwest to play in Chicago, you really got to be able to throw it well in the wind. You got to throw it well in the rain. You got to throw it in, in just tough circumstances all the time. And especially being that NFC North, you need a quarterback that fits a little bit of the environment and the league that you're playing in. You know, Jared Goff is a great example of that. In the dome, he's a phenomenal thrower. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees, phenomenal thrower in the dome. Those guys tend to struggle sometimes when they do leave the comforts of the dome because of the, uh, the, the atmosphere that surrounds them as far as the wind conditions. So, um, you have to keep those things in mind. So the Bears, uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't go with anybody and they go with this kid Tyson Badgett, who mm -hmm. looks pretty damn good and comfortable, even though he's a D2 Heisman Trophy winner, um, which I should know what that award is by now. But um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he did a phenomenal job filling in for, for Justin Fields, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. What do you think of Malik Cunningham? He's a, he's a polarizing prospect up here, and there are a lot of people who are saying, look, if Max struggles – Get the guy ready. Get the kid ready. He, he's in, he's got an intriguing skill set. Yeah, it, he may not be NFL ready as we sit here right now in late October, but maybe he builds towards something. When you're talking about a, a career in the National Football League, yeah, he definitely has a unique skill set. He's extremely athletic, and you could see that he has talent as far as being a thrower. You know, but you're right. The question really be, it, it would have to be something. I think for this season, it would be it would have to be forced upon the Patriots to say, okay, we're going to go into this. To, to all of a sudden say, you know what, we're just pulling the plug and we're going to start all over and mm -hmm. go through these growing pains all over again with another young quarterback, you know, to me seems like a very difficult proposition to make really for the whole coaching staff, Malik himself and the team. So that would be something that I feel like would, they would maybe take a little bit closer look on after this season and have a full offseason to really understand how they can uh, take advantage of what this young man does extremely well and then apply it to what they do as a team. The other two quarterbacks they have on the roster right now, Bailey Zappi and Will Greer. Tell me what you think about those two guys. Yeah, Bailey Zappi. Uh, we've, we've seen, I think, what what you should really know about Bailey Zappi. He's, uh, you know, he's a second, third string quarterback. Um, he throws the ball decently well. But, you know, nowhere would I, I, I say that, like, he, he needs another opportunity over Mac. And that's something that I've constantly said to, you know, fans around here in this area who love trashing the New England Patriots just because we're in uh, Giants and Jets territory. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I just they, they don't jump off the screen to me as people that are, you know, that need to get experience out there and opportunity. 
Um, I, I just kind of see them as guys that just, you know, they fit the role that they're in right now. And if they have to play, they can get the job done and, and be, you know, sufficient enough to do that. But I don't, I wouldn't expect it for an extended period of time. Question out of left field, a little bit out of left field here. I wanted to ask you <laughs> this story that I've heard a couple of times now about your father and Bill Belichick. There was a story out there that he called your dad. Bill called your dad when he was coach of the Browns and tried to get him to come out of retirement. If that's true, I was wondering just how close your father came to pulling the trigger. Uh, I believe that he was extremely close to uh, coming out of retirement at that time. And uh, he also had opportunities to either go with the Browns. Uh, actually, at the time, there was also interest from the Arizona Cardinals and Buddy Ryan, who was out there, who had much respect for him going against Big Phil and the Giants all those years. Um, and, and Rex was on the staff with that team as well. Um, and then uh, Tom Coughlin asked him to come down to Jacksonville and play with the Jaguars. So, uh, you know, it was cool that Big Phil was uh, highly sought after after being cut by the New York Giants um, in 93, which, uh, you know, I think to this day kind of still bothers him a little bit that he was cut from the team the way that he was after having a tremendous year in 93. And, uh, you know, it just kind of shows you how much respect Bill Belichick had for my father to think that he, uh, you know, could still do it and be an impactful player on that football team in the Cleveland Browns. But there, there, that is absolutely a true story. And uh, I actually found out about it because I was very young when my father was playing. I was five years old when he was when he retired and um, or, or was uh, when he finished playing, I should say. But uh, um, I remember going through, you know, some of the, the memorabilia stuff that we had in the closet downstairs, you know, where he kept like some old footballs and stuff like that from players and teammates that shared stuff with him through the years. And I came across a Sims. Uh, number 11 Browns uniform. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is a weird Halloween costume. And uh, I went upstairs and was like, yeah, why is there uh, a Sims jersey of the Browns? And then my father shared with me that there was a possibility that he was potentially going to be a Brown there. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, again, just just a testament to who my father was as a player and a person that Bill Belichick thought that highly of him after he was uh, released from the Giants to, to potentially pick him up with the Browns. See, that to me suggests that Bill is very outside the box when it comes to, look, he, he's a different kind of guy, regardless of you know the, the way he goes about his business. But when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position and, and sticking to what he believes in at the quarterback position, he considers every single option out there. This is a guy who, uh, you know, cut Bernie Kosar to go with Todd Philcox in Cleveland. Right. Know, called your father, tried to get him to come out of retirement. The year that Brady went down with a knee injury, there were all sorts of calls to bring in this guy or this guy right. or this guy. He stuck with Matt Castle. He's always had a very unique approach. I think he's very much stuck to his guts. Look, in 2001, there were people calling for, for Bledsoe to go back to, to, to the starting job, you know, when he came right. back and he was healthy. He was a guy who has always managed to really stick to his guns, stick to his beliefs when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah, definitely. And, and really him knowing my father from all those years with the giants i think he he understood who my father was as a person a leader and how important that is to it even if he wasn't the starter of just having a guy like that in the room you know and having a guy that has that attitude that's been battle tested that's been a super bowl champion and mvp you know to 
to have someone like that in the quarterback room on the offensive side, all that kind of stuff. Those things are important and they really do play a factor in just how uh, they affect younger players on the football team, how they are that quote unquote extension from the coaching staff too. And, uh, and I think Bill really understood that about my father, that he was, you know, the epitome of one of those people and why, you know, Bill Parcells, one of the greatest coaches of all time, trusted my father like no other too. Your family is really connected with Bill. Do, do you have a favorite story? <laughs> I know your dad was, was really connected. Like, you know, you, you brought up several examples just now. Do you have a favorite Bill Belichick story, something that maybe illustrates who he is as a person, maybe not necessarily as a head coach? Uh, yeah, I, you know, honestly, my brother would be really the one to to ask for that because my brother is just the football historian. And he was also like right there during all of these things that happened. I like to tell everybody that I was you know, uh, conceived after he won the Super Bowl MVP, um, which took place in 87. I was born in 88. So, you know, for me, like the math just works well that, hey, you know, Diana, I just won a Super Bowl MVP. You know, why not? Let's have another kid. And uh, and I like to think that I was the Super Bowl present uh, for that. There probably is some truth to that. Who knows? But, um, you know, it, it's it's just a testament to like, you know, football's a great sport. Belichick, you know, I hear stories uh, as far as or just the way that he goes about the game, how he carries himself, how he views the football game from, from multiple facets. Those were lessons that were instilled in me when I was a young football player. And even to this day where my father will say something, I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely, you know, some sort of wisdom that was instilled upon him from Parcells or Belichick. Um, he just, you know, did it with a smile instead of uh, their curmudgeon look. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this has been great, man. Let people know where they can reach you on social media and what you're up to these days. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, a quarterback coach here in the Northeast, but I coach kids all over, um, specifically at the quarterback position. Um, it's uh, it's called Sims Complete QB and uh, doing some media stuff too nowadays with my father. I actually have a podcast called Sims Complete on the Believe Network, available on Apple, Spotify, all those kind of things. And uh, we have a YouTube channel too. So uh, just trying to uh, you know spread spread the wealth of our knowledge through the game that we love as much as we can to, to all different generations and, and, uh, and help the next generation do their thing. Matt, this has been dynamite. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And hopefully we can hook it up real soon. Maybe a little pre-draft conversation when it comes to the Patriots <laughs> and their needs at maybe at the quarterback position. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Christopher. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. One more reminder, this episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week. And Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL all in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, every time. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.